Yeah, yeah. Ball so hard, you better believe me, it's scary. It's basketball, let the ball with Calvin and Barry. So put a tip in the jar, cause these dudes can really fill it up. Whether it's buckets you need enough just a beer in a cup. We're here for fresh conversations, got some delicious libations. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. My boys, got you covered like you being guarded by Peyton. From the glove to the claw, and everyone else in between. Calvin and Barry got everything that you need. So sit back, relax, because we're starting the show. It's basketball at the bar, got your drinks and let's go. Yeah, yeah. Grab a drink and let's go. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. Let's get it. What's up, ballers and sneakerheads? Welcome to Basketball at the Bar. Join us live every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube, where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code, and you can take us wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like, don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks and let's go, Calvin. All right, cheers. Welcome, cheers, everybody. Man. Happy Monday. Mm. I want to remind you all that this podcast is brought to you by Waikiki Brewing Company here in Hawaii. There are four different locations located across two different islands. It's a lot of fun. Make sure you guys go check it out if you ever come to Hawaii to visit. And today, Calvin, we are drinking the Aloha Blonde. Yeah, nice, refreshing, easy drinking beer. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Calvin. This is Barry. And this is Basketball at the Bar. Welcome and thanks for being a part of the inaugural episode here. <clears throat> the two of us are bartenders who just happen to love the game of basketball. So our goal behind bringing you this show and creating this channel is to create a laid-back, bar-like environment that simulates your favorite sports bar for the reasons that Barry already said. Because you don't need to dress up to go to the bar. You can take it with you anywhere you go. And we're going to create a community here where we want to hear back from you guys like your favorite sports bar where you know everybody's name and you know that your opinion matters. So thank you for being with us on today's show. We're going to start off with our playoff coverage for the NBA, the 2022 NBA postseason. It all kicks off, as you know, tomorrow with the play-in tournament. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go over the play-in matchups, kind of break down what the play-in tournament is. And then, of course, we're going to get the, the stage set for the main dance, which is the NBA playoffs. Yeah. So if you guys love basketball, if you love the bar, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We will be here Monday through Friday, every single day, posting live, fresh basketball content for you all. As Calvin mentioned on today's show, we're going to go over a couple different special dates. We're going to talk about the playing tournament. Calvin's going to explain how the brackets work. We're going to go over our title favorites. We're going to talk about some NBA awards, some of these injuries that are happening. There's some big coaching news today in the NBA. And we're going to finish the show with questions and answers with you, the barflies, in the chat here. So... To start off here, we have a couple important dates. Today is April 11th. It is the start of basketball at the bar, but the play-in tournament does not start until tomorrow, April 12th. That tournament runs through the 15th. Rosters are officially set today. Um, and then the NBA playoffs begin on Saturday, April 16th. I know I am excited. I hope you all are as well. Oh yeah. I mean, if you love basketball and you're not excited for the postseason, 
what's the point, right? Right. So welcome in everyone to Basketball at the Bar. Make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. And Calvin, let's talk about the playing tournament. I know a lot of people have had confusion over who stays, who goes, who advances. Let's break it all down here and make it easy for everyone to understand. Sure. Well, first of all, you can see here on the screen, uh, thanks to our producer, Vinny, he's got a perfect bracket set up for you, showing all the matchups. They've done this play-in tournament for a couple years now, so I'm sure that a lot of you are already familiar with how it works, but in case you're not, or you just decided to start paying attention to the NBA playoffs this season, well, let's break it down real quickly here. The play-in tournament consists, of course, of the 7 through 10 seeds in each conference. Uh, the 7 and 8 seeds, both in the East and West, will match up for a one-game playoff. The winner of that game becomes the 7th seed in both respective conferences. Then, of course, the 9 and 10 seeds will also play each other in both conferences. The winner of that game will then face the loser of the 7-8 game. And the winner of that final play-in tournament game becomes the eighth seed in both respective conferences. And then we get set with our traditional 16-team bracket. Yes. So on Tuesday, tomorrow, the Cavs and the Nets play for the seventh and eighth spot. Uh, whoever wins that game becomes the seventh seed. And whoever loses that game becomes the eighth seed and faces the winner of uh, the ninth and tenth seed matchup. Whoever loses ninth and tenth seed is eliminated. We have Hornets and Hawks on Tuesday, or sorry, Wednesday. And then for the Western Conference, Clippers and Timberwolves on Tuesday and Spurs and Pelicans on Wednesday. We will be here at Basketball at the Bar to break down all that information. Uh, we will be here tomorrow around the same time. We will be coming in probably about halftime of that uh, Clippers-Timberwolves game. So we will have the live uh, you know, stream here on the screen for you all to watch. And we will be uh, interacting and, and talking about it all here live. All right, Calvin. Now that you've explained the play-in tournament, made it much easier because you know it is, it is a little complicated, right? Some teams have to win two games. Some teams only have to win one game. Some teams have to lose two games, right? <laughs> yes. Let's talk about your title favorites because, you know, I feel like everyone's looking towards a rematch of last year's finals in the Bucks and the Suns. Both teams are, are looking pretty good. Uh, I know the Suns are dealing with some injuries right now. But uh, I want to hear about your favorites to win the title this year. Well, I don't really have many absolute favorites uh, to win the title for the reason that you kind of just alluded to. Milwaukee and Phoenix all season long. Milwaukee has never really been the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, but those two teams, as the season has progressed and they've both gotten healthy, uh, have been the clear head and shoulder favorites for me above any other team in the league. They create the most matchup problems. They have now the experience, obviously, of being in the finals uh, last season. And they've got young stars that are, you know, entering the primes of their career. So it's going to be tough for me to pick against either one of those teams. That being said, I do have a couple of, uh, you know, semi-favorites semi and then some dark horse teams as well. Number one uh, is obviously the Golden State Warriors. This is the first time that we're going to see them back at full strength in the postseason since 2019. Of course, before Clay Thompson tore his ACL and mm -hmm. Kevin Durant went out with a torn Achilles. Uh, this team is now back fully healthy. It's crazy to think that Steph, Draymond, and Clay have only played a combined 11 minutes together in the last <laughs> three seasons. 
but that's what happens when one of your main stars misses a full two years. So obviously this team is something or is a team that people need to, to watch and be worried about. Another one of those teams I would call the Miami Heat yep. uh, in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, they secured the number one seed out east. They were uh, a dominant team, both offensively and defensively, all season long. They really play great team basketball together, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so they're another team I would watch for. And then a couple of dark horses, Memphis Grizzlies out west, flew up to the number two seed. They're the second youngest team in the NBA, but they still ended up mm -hmm. with the two seed in the West this year behind an amazing season from John Morant and an amazing season collectively from the team without him. They finished, I think, 20-3 and three without John Morant this season. For a young team, everyone's going to be watching them thinking, are they ready to take the next step now that they're finally a playoff team? And then, of course... You can't talk about the postseason without talking about the Brooklyn Nets. Yep. The Nets stumbled this year. They were the number one seed in the East early on. Everyone knows Kyrie Irving had his uh, issues getting on the court throughout most of the season. He is now cleared to play both home and away games. Kevin Durant is back and healthy as well. A tandem like that should not be taken lightly by any team. Uh, and they are the seven seed playing in this play-in tournament. But if they're able to get into the, the big dance... I don't think anybody wants to see the Brooklyn Nets as their first-round matchup. Yeah, everyone's talking about Ben Simmons and how he could potentially come back and help the Brooklyn Nets. I know he's dealing with that back injury. But everyone forgets about Drummond and Seth Curry and how productive those guys have been on the court for Brooklyn and for Philadelphia and, and other teams in the past. So I am definitely watching out for the Brooklyn Nets. I think it's pretty interesting that, you know, Milwaukee could have locked in that number two spot, but they basically forfeited that game to slide in at number three so that they don't have to face Brooklyn. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but Boston, if, if Brooklyn wins this first game and they solidify the seven seed, Boston's got to be shaking in their boots because Kyrie Irving's trying to get some revenge on Boston again. Yes. And they're a pretty good team. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Miami because you mentioned them, you know, best record in the East, but most people don't really, you know, pick them as their title favorite, right? Everyone wants Milwaukee considering they won the title last year. But this Miami team was just in the finals two years ago in the, in the bubble. And, you know, a guy I forgot they had on their roster was Victor Oladipo, and he just dropped 40 points, which is wild. Like, it's insane, actually. Yeah, this guy <laughs> is just you know, you never know what to expect from him at this point. He's dealt with so many injuries, but Oladipo is, is a baller. When he's healthy, he can do a lot. I love the chemistry of this team. You know, just a few weeks ago on, on uh, you know, the Royal Rebounds podcast, we talked about the scuffle and everything that happened on the sidelines between the Miami Heat. And I remember you were like, this is catalyst for the playoffs. Watch out for Miami. Exactly. And they... They went like on a pretty good winning streak after that. And, you know, they have the best record in the East. Don't sleep on the Heat. Definitely. No, don't I, sleep and on I don't the think heat. anybody is going to sleep on the Heat. The Eastern Conference is so much better this year than it has been in the past few years. I think that's the main reason why people are kind of leaving Miami as an afterthought. Boston is another team that we haven't even talked about. They have by far the best record since the All Star break. Uh, an insane pace that they were going on. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have really, really found their grooves mm -hmm. offensively. Uh, they're another team that plays really solid defense. 
They are going to be hurt losing their center, Robert Williams, who was having a phenomenal second half of the year, averaging over two blocks a game. Uh, he's not going to be there for the postseason for them. So that's going to be a big, big hole to fill. However, they've played so well together, another team that has great chemistry. Uh, that's a, a, another dark horse team I think you can definitely point to. But, yeah, Miami is – they're, they're a complete team. Yep. It's scary to think that they have guys like Victor Oladipo and Tyler Hero coming off the bench for that team. A, another squad that I wouldn't want to face. Potentially the sixth man of the year, which we're going to talk about a little bit later when we talk about NBA awards. But I want to welcome Brian. Thank you, Brian, for joining us in Thank here you, live. We are just talking about the playing tournament right now and our title favorites, Phoenix. I mean... I'm so mixed on Phoenix because, you know, their record is absolutely incredible. 64 and 18, like franchise that, best. That is huge. Better than the Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire yeah. teams, better than the Charles Barkley, Dan Marley teams of the 90s. But it all comes down to Chris Paul for me, right? Like Chris Paul is another year older. Unfortunately, Chris Paul has dealt with so many injuries in his career, which is really devastating to him and to us as fans because you know, in my opinion, Chris Paul is one of, if not the best point guard of all time when he was in his prime. He's just dealt with so many injuries. Unfortunately, he hasn't been able to, you know, capture that elusive NBA title. There was talk about, you know, the banana boat and and him playing with D-Wade and LeBron and Melo and all that stuff. We saw the uh, the trade that never happened between yep. uh, the or what was it the Hornets at the time and New Orleans Hornets yeah and the uh, Lakers he could have teamed up with Kobe Bryant uh, I think we could have uh, given them a title or two if that would have happened if they could have stayed healthy however um, you know Phoenix is a great team and they are led by the coach of the year in my opinion Monty Williams they have a great system all these young players are continuing to get better uh, and they're just stepping up. Phoenix is definitely my favorite in the West. But as you mentioned, Memphis, great team. They played well all season with or without their all-star point guard in John Morant. Uh, you look at Golden State, they're a much improved team. They still have three Hall of Famers on that team. Yeah. Four if you count Iguodala. They just dropped 41 last night yeah. as well. So Four if you count Iguodala. Uh, and then you have the Dallas Mavericks who had been playing really well, but unfortunately Luka Doncic was just injured, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later in our injuries section. And then I looked down at Utah. You know, Utah, to me, made a big leap last year. And, you know, they, they've underperformed this year. They've dealt with injuries, but I, I wouldn't sleep on Utah either. Yeah, I mean, Denver's another team, right? Like, Nikola Jokic is that good. He literally dragged this team to the playoffs almost single-handedly. Um, they're they're gonna. It's gonna be tough for them to continue that type of run, going through seven-game series here, left and right. Now that the playoffs start, everything gets ratcheted up a notch, um, and the rest of the team is gonna have to really pick up, uh, pick themselves up as well. Not just Jokic, you know, obviously being the Joker and the MVP or the potential back-to-back uh, -back MVP. What's up, Priest? What's up, Alfie Man, Makami? We're glad to have you guys here. Welcome in to Basketball at the Bar. Yeah, thank you all for joining us. We are breaking down title favorites right now. We just went over the play-in tournament. We explained it a little bit. Uh, you know, we're just having fun here. We're uh, drinking some Waikiki beer, and I hope you all are having fun as well and getting ready for 
the NBA playoffs. One more thing I want to add about Phoenix here, just because, just to finish your thought there. I yep. agree with you, and I think most people agree. Chris Paul is definitely the engine that drives that team, right? Like Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, and I'll throw Mikael Bridges in there because he's one of my favorite up and coming players. Those guys are the future, and they might be the reason why Phoenix will be good for a long time. But the real reason that Phoenix is here now is because of Chris Paul, obviously. Yeah, and that being Booker. said, they're so deep. Cameron Payne is a great backup point guard. They're too deep, pretty much at every position, maybe even three in some cases. And I am actually going to say here, I think they're good enough to make the finals if Chris Paul is not healthy. Still, wow, I really, really believe that. I'm not going to sit. I'm not going to pick them to win the whole thing, but I think they can still come out of the West if Chris Paul is not 100%. Yeah, the, the West is is beaten up, and it's it's not as good as it has been in recent years. And, you know, the great thing about those teams like Phoenix and Memphis is they've created these systems where if your best player is out and misses some time, they have another guy that they can just kind of fill right in there. Obviously, Cameron Payne is no Chris Paul, but he can do a pretty good job holding up the fort until yeah. Chris Paul gets back. Yeah. Him and Jalen Brunson, to me, are the first places I look for top backup point guards in the NBA. How do you feel about the Clippers? Because, you know, we've been hearing little murmurs about potentially Kawhi Leonard could return. Uh, last year or two years ago, this team was the favorite, right? Like yeah. with with uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, we don't really know what to expect out of Kawhi Leonard if he does come back. But we just saw Paul George return, and he did not miss a beat. Yeah. So if Kawhi Leonard is back and healthy, does that boost your thoughts on the Clippers and them potentially making a run here, maybe making it to the Western Conference Finals? Well, of course it boosts my uh, optimism or my overall thoughts about the Clippers. You know, we're talking about one of the top ten players in the game, right, when fully yep. healthy. The question is, what is he going to look like when he comes back? And for me, the Clippers are talented enough to make a run at the Western Conference Finals. But if I was them, I sure would be willing or sure would want to win this play-in tournament oh, game definitely. and make sure I avoid the Phoenix Suns in the first round. Uh, you're going up against the defending Western Conference champions, a team that is primed and ready to win right now, and you're trying to bet on your number one player coming back from a torn ACL, healthy and ready to contribute. I mean, Paul George is a phenomenal player, and they've got a really solid team around them, a team that just lights it up from three-point range. So, of course, if they get hot and continue to hit shots from outside, they're going to be difficult to deal with. However, I think they have a far better chance of surpassing the Grizzlies in the first round, taking advantage of a team that doesn't have that playoff experience yep. yet, as opposed to trying to battle your way through the defending Western Conference champions. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. They need to win this first game against Minnesota to have any chance to go to the Western Conference Finals, any at all, because I don't see them beating Phoenix in the first round if Chris Paul is out, if DeAndre Ayton is out. Yeah. <laughs> they they would need Devin Booker and uh, maybe another starter to be out for, for them to even right. have a chance in that game. Anybody else you want to mention here as a title favorite? Uh, I'm not so sure I'm willing to give out that that uh, title to any other team here. I mean, th there's a lot of teams that are good, right? Philadelphia is a team, maybe the team with the most 
uh, to prove or the most on the line. And I'm mm-hmm. looking directly at James Harden when I say that. Oh, yeah. A guy that's forced his way out of two teams now in the last year and a half or so uh, and is has really struggled over the past week or two of the regular season. Mm-hmm. I mean, he put up some really futile numbers there. And Joel Embiid is looking at him saying, come on, man, I need you. If we're going to be Shaq and Kobe, right. we can't be playing like that anymore. So that's another team that is certainly talented enough to make a run at the trophy, uh, but I'm not ready to pin them as title favorites yet just because I think there are other teams that really are going to be too much for them in the end. Yeah, if they're I mean, going to out do... east, I don't see any team that matches up with the Milwaukee Bucks. I really don't. Other than Miami, even Miami, I, they're just Milwaukee is so big, so long, uh, so quick in the open court. That three-headed monster. Drew Holiday had a really underrated season. Mm-hmm. I would say I don't think enough people are talking about the way he played this year, especially when you think about how Middleton performed. This is a guy who is supposed to be the second best player on this team. And he didn't have a bad season. He averaged a little over 20 a game. But he's a guy that's supposed to be entering his prime now with Giannis. The two of them you know, are, are, are supposed to be the pillars of this team. And, and he struggled with injury problems, and they had a whole COVID thing happen to them early in the year. I don't think he ever really found his form after that. But Drew Holiday has been a phenomenal two-way player. And him and Giannis right now are on another level. So, Plus, yeah, they just yeah. got Brooke Lopez back. Miami is, is a really good defensive team, but they don't have a lot of size. Mm-hmm. You know, Bam is probably going to be taken up uh, most of his time guarding Giannis. And he's not even that big. And he's not, that, he's not nearly as big or as long as Giannis is. He's still capable of defending Giannis, but it, it's going to be tough for Miami to overcome all that size, I think. Yeah, Drew Holiday is, is an amazing player, and... You know, you go back to the team that drafted him, and that is the Philadelphia 76ers. It's amazing here. I'm looking at the standings. It's amazing that Philadelphia has the same record as Milwaukee at 51 and 31, considering their second-best player in Ben Simmons didn't want to play, didn't want to be with the team all season long. They traded their starting shooting guard. They traded their starting center. They got a guy in James Harden who hasn't really performed uh, I, I mean, he started he, off great. Yeah, that. he played he well off great. right when he got traded to the team. And then he's kind of dropped off a little bit. Joel Embiid won the scoring title on the last day of the regular season. He's in MVP contention. The only reason they make it past the, the second round for me is going to be Joel Embiid being an absolute beast. He needs to dominate like, like Shaq uh, did. And See, honestly, I, I disagree with you there. I think Embiid is the reason they're here now, and he's he's not the – I'm not looking at him anymore. The Everything they do from here on out is on James Harden's shoulders. It really is. You hear that, James? It's time to take off the fat suit and get ready to play <laughs> again, man, because your team is depending on you. If, if he underperforms, do they rethink that tandem in the offseason, or is it just way too early? I, Me personally, it's way too early. But you never know with the NBA, the way things work. I would be shocked if they failed, you know, to make, let's say they get bounced in the first round. I don't, I'm not going to pick Toronto right now to beat them, but let's say they get bounced in the first round. I would be really shocked if they decided that they weren't going to try to run it back with Embiid and Harden. After all that, you still have Daryl Morey there. That's James Harden's number one fan in the entire world. 
Yep. They're definitely going to bring these guys back for another year. What do you think about the Matisse-Thibel situation? Does that affect them? Because they are playing in Toronto a couple games, and uh, Matisse-Thibel apparently is not eligible to play, which is surprising to me considering he played on December 28th in Toronto. Yeah, it's a very confusing situation. Obviously, Toronto still has some pretty strict vaccination rules. Um, you're not just Toronto, the entire country of Canada, but... So, yeah, Matisse Thibel is ruled ineligible for games three, four, and six, if there is a game six there, Mm -hmm. as of right now. But like you said, he just played there not too long ago. So it's a very interesting situation. Is that going to hurt Philadelphia? Of course it is. Matisse Thibel is probably their best defender. Oh, definitely. He's been starting for them all season long. Um, So, yeah, having to remove one of your key, not just rotation players, but a starter, who's also your best defender, is definitely going to make things more difficult for you yeah i agree i agree i want to hear from you guys in the chat who your favorite is to win the title i see uh the suns here uh but i want to hear from you all i want to i want you to contribute let us know who's winning the nba title this year because uh i mean i want to say phoenix but i i can't pick them because i don't know how healthy they're going to be I really don't. Like, I, I think they'll make it to the finals, but I don't know if they're, they're going to win it, just like last season. Bucks and seven. Bucks and seven. You heard it here first. All right, Calvin, since the regular season is officially over, let's talk about some of these awards in the award races. First off, I want to start with the MVP award. I think most people are picking uh, Jokic, the Joker, to an MVP, but there are a bunch of other people that should be considered. Joel Embiid is one of them. Uh, If you would have asked us just a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, uh, Embiid probably would have been leading that. He just won the scoring title. First center to do it since Shaq, I think, 01 Shaq. Uh, We also have Giannis um, and a couple other players that I think deserve to be on this list. Luka Doncic, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, John Morant, Trey Young. All very, very productive players that have led their teams to the playoffs. I want to hear your take on MVP. Um, Well, first of all, I think all of those guys that you just mentioned are, like you said, deserving of being in the conversation. Um, To me, it really comes down to just three guys, though. Embiid, Giannis, and, and Jokic. Which is crazy that there's no guards involved in this list at all. Luka Doncic, phenomenal season. You know, again, I'm not taking anything away from him. Trey Young, first player ever uh, since I think 1973 or something like that to be to lead the NCAA in scoring total mm-hmm. points scored and total assists as a freshman. Now he does it total points and total assists yep. in the NBA. First time that that's happened in a very very long time. So they they obviously had great years. But it's all about those first three guys for me. I would have picked Joel Embiid as my MVP. Yet, like you said, if this was if the race was over or you needed to vote a couple of months ago. However, I'm going with Jokic. Uh, I think Giannis had a phenomenal season. Embiid did as well. But when you think, when you look first of all at what this guy did numbers wise, they they blow you away. 27 points a game, 13.8 rebounds, 7.9 assists. One and a half steals, one block a game. Uh, he's the first player in NBA history to record over 2,000 points, over 1,000 rebounds, and over 500 assists in a single season. He's also the first player in the last 50 years to be ranked in the top 10 in points, rebounds, assists, and field goal percentage across the NBA. And 
he basically dragged this team to the playoffs by himself. Giannis and Embiid both play on really, really solid teams where they they have more help mm-hmm. than Jokic does. Jokic has put up these numbers all year long. He played in 74 games this season. He's my MVP, and I, and I don't think it's that close, actually. Okay. I mean, you know, the, the major knock on Jokic, if there is any, would be his defense, right? Like his interior defense, protecting the basket, stuff like that. Do you factor that in at all? Because, you know, Joel Embiid winning the scoring title, leading your team for a big part of the season, just like Jokic did, and he's a much better defender. He is a better defender. Um, You're right. I mean, if there is going to be – there's always a knock on everybody, right? Like you have to to pick somebody's problems or or their uh, areas where they can improve. But I I just take – It's a very nice way to say it. I take it from the total context of everything here. Um, he put up these numbers, like I said, all year long, and he had much, much less help on his team, and he avoided the play-in tournament. Like, I mean, I, if you would have told me before the season started that Denver is going to make the playoffs and avoid the play-in tournament without Jamal Murray and pretty much Michael Porter Jr. for the whole season, I would have said that was probably not going to happen. I also thought the West would be a little better than it was this year, but I, it's incredibly impressive what he has done um, and, and to me, he is, he is the MVP. You heard it here first, guys. Jokic back-to-back MVP awards. You know what that means, Calvin? That means he's going to the finals because the last guy to do back-to-back, Giannis, won the title the very next year. So we will see. All right, let's move on here to rookie of the year. You know, some people, you know, pick Evan Mobley. I've seen Scotty Barnes, uh, you know. I'm a Kings fan, so I like Davion Mitchell, but um, you know I understand the reason he's not on this list. Uh, we also have Cade Cunningham and Franz Wagner that have also been playing incredible this season. Who does your vote go to for Rookie of the Year? Well, I want to start by saying that this rookie class really, really impressed me. I think there's a lot of different directions that you could go with this award. This, to me, is the hardest race to pick. Everyone said this awards. was not a deep draft. They were like, oh, this year's draft is not that deep. And That's not what I heard. I, mean, I heard this draft was very deep from the very beginning. Okay. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I mean, you've got guys like Davion Mitchell who finished the year uh, on a tear and I think really surprised a lot of people. He actually recorded more assists in his rookie season than Tyrese Halliburton did last season, which I don't think anybody, if you follow the Sacramento Kings, like I know some of these people in the chat do, I don't think anyone would have expected that. Um, so he, he really, really impressed people. Franz Wagner is another guy who fell off. Uh, injuries kind of derailed the end of his season, but he was playing phenomenally well early on in the year for Orlando. Cade Cunningham, of course. Jalen Green has been a walking bucket all year long in mm-hmm. Houston. Problem is, Houston's just a horrible, horrible team. <laughs> um, but for me, Scotty Barnes is the guy. And I, I picked him because he was, A, consistent throughout the entire season. He finishes with 15 points a game, 7.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 1.1 steals, and nearly a block a game. Those are really great numbers to put up in your rookie season. Mm-hmm. He also did it on a team that made the playoffs. He's the only person in this group of players that I'm talking about that is on a playoff team. So I I give it to Scotty Barnes. He impressed me. He played better than I thought he was going to. I was really surprised that the Raptors even took 
Scotty Barnes with that pick. I mm-hmm. thought Jalen Suggs was the way they were going to go all the way. Barnes turned out to be a really, really perfect move for them. And he backed it up with his play this year. Yeah, good drafting by the Toronto Raptors. They continue to hit on these draft picks. And even guys they don't draft in Fred Van Vliet end up playing incredibly well for them. So, you know, uh, Missouri, great job. Absolutely. Great job. All right, let's move on here to the defensive player of the year. I see Rudy Gobert is at the top of this list. We have Marcus Smart, Bam Adebayo, Giannis, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Draymond Green. I'm picking Rudy Gobert. Who's your pick? I like that pick. It, for me, again, this is another tough one. I, I think that you can make a, a really strong case for three of these guys, and that's Rudy Gobert, Bam Adebayo, and uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Jaron Jackson Jr. is another guy that, for me, wasn't even on my radar for Defensive Player of the Year. But when you actually dive into the numbers and you mm-hmm. watch him play, he was incredible this season, all over the boards, block shots left and right. Uh, and Memphis is a very, very uh, – well, I don't know if they can be underrated anymore at this point, but they rank tops in the NBA in a lot of these categories. Blocks per game is one of them. The team averages six and a half blocks a game. And Sharon Jackson Jr. is a huge, huge reason for that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Giannis, though. It's something about the way that he plays, I think the numbers are there. They're not like Rudy Gobert's numbers necessarily. Um, but the way Giannis impacts the game, to me, is a higher level defensively than Rudy Gobert does. He's able to cover more ground. He can guard more positions. He can guard on the perimeter. He's not a guy that just stands under the basket, grabs rebounds, and blocks shots. I know Rudy Gobert would be very uh, upset with me for saying that because in his mind, he's the defensive player of the year again. And it, and I do think that he has a really, really valid case for it. But if I had a vote, it would go to Giannis. Are you surprised not to see Embiid on this list or, or Matisse Thibel? Because both of them have been touted as amazing defenders. Yeah. Obviously, you can't pick everybody, right? There's only one winner. But I'm a little surprised that I don't see them on this list. And I also have to say, one thing that I see in common with all of these players, they're all in the playoffs. So if you got a bad team and you want to make the playoffs, get a defensive player of the year candidate. It's hard to win defensive player of the year on a team that doesn't make the playoffs, right? Because you think of a defensive player of the year creating more wins for their team, more opportunities for wins for their team. So, yeah, if you have a losing record, you probably don't play defense as well as you need to. All right, moving on here. Next up is most improved player. I I know who you're going to pick already, (laughs) but I want to just mention everybody on this list. Darius Garland, Desmond Bain, John Morant, Tyrese Maxey, Jordan Poole, DeJounte Murray, and Anthony Edwards. All of these guys have had very, very productive seasons. I've had a lot of fun watching these guys. But, Calvin, who is your pick for most improved player? All of those guys have had very good seasons, and it illustrates how great of a situation the NBA is in, right? These guys are all super young. They're really improving at a rapid rate. Mm -hmm. The NBA is in good hands. There's a lot of amazing, young, talented players here, and very, very young players, too. But for me, this is a case-closed pick. It's John Morant. I mean, the guy is in the MVP conversation. He's not probably going to win that one. But I don't see how you can argue with him being most improved. 
His numbers last year, 19 points a game, four rebounds, seven assists, one steal. This year, 27 points a game, six rebounds, almost seven assists, over one steal a game. He was must-see TV. I mean, I don't know of anybody in the league. A lot of people are now comparing him to the new Allen Iverson. His game has taken a huge, huge step this year. Even though he missed a bunch of games uh, due to injuries and COVID protocols and all that, uh, to me, this is the easiest award to pick out of all of them. It's John Morant. Does the team having a good record without him impact this at all? No, not for me. I mean, I think it just speaks to how talented the Grizzlies are. Desmond Baines, another guy who had an, a really, really great sec, uh I guess this is his sophomore year, right? So mm -hmm. really great season, improved a lot, got the opportunity to start a bunch of games because Dylan Brooks was out with injury, and he absolutely took advantage of it. I love Desmond Bain as a player. But let's be honest, John Moran is that team. I mean, yeah. yes, they have a great record without him. That's a regular season record, though. Let's see them go you know, four or five games over 500 in the playoffs without John Moran. I don't think that's going to happen. I also want to mention that all these players are in the playoffs or the play-in. So, you know, maybe that's part of it as well. You get more recognition when you are on a good team, like you mentioned with Defensive Player of the Year, or having a guy that improves this much or plays that good a defense yeah. makes your team better. And I think that's exactly what Desmond Bain and John Morant and a bunch of these guys on this list actually do. All right, moving on here. Sixth man of the year. We have Tyler Hero, Kevin Love, Montrez Harrell, Jordan Clarkson, Cameron Payne, and Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think it's a pretty easy one. Pretty simple one for me. It's Tyler Hero. I mean, Tyler Hero played well enough this season where I think you could make him the starting shooting guard on just about every team in the NBA. He comes off the bench for this team because that's what Eric Spolstra wants from him. Uh, the, the guy has really bounced back from the down uh, downward or slump of a season he had coming off their NBA final bubble run a couple of years ago. Last year, maybe he was a little fatigued and didn't quite have it all season. This year, he's been lights out, and, and it's no contest for me. Tyler Hero is, is six man. Yeah, the only question for me at this point is why is this guy not starting on this team, especially when you have a guy like Victor Oladipo. That's, that's what happens when you have try. a great team with a great coach, right? I yeah. mean, Andre Iguodala won finals MVP coming off the bench because they, they knew that that was the best route for that team to go with. This is another example of that. Yeah, good, good coaching. And on that subject, let's talk about the coach of the You're year. You're right. He's not the starting shooting guard on the Suns. That's why I said just about every team in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about good coaching, let's move on here and talk about coach of the year. There's a few people on this list. Monty Williams, uh, you know, with the Phoenix Suns. Taylor Jenkins of the Memphis Grizzlies. And then you have Idoka with the Boston Celtics, who has been very, very surprising to me. Everyone thought that the Celtics were going to fall off after moving uh, Brad Stevens to the front office. They haven't. They've actually improved, and they've got better. They're the second seed in the Eastern Conference right now. I know Milwaukee laid down on that last game because they didn't want that seed. But coach of the year, is Imani Williams hands down? 
No, not to me. Sorry to all you Suns fans out there. I, I totally, I'm not going to take anything away from him or Taylor Jenkins um, or Ime Odoka. Like you said, all, all those guys are very deserving of the award. And that all of those teams had phenomenal seasons. But to me, it's Eric Spolstra. Miami is a team, like we said, no one has really talked about them that much really throughout the course of the entire season, even though they've been the number one seed in the East since just about the all-star break at this point, they basically never let go of it. They had all these issues. You thought the team was going to implode a few weeks ago when Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolster got into it. He's kept that team motivated. He's kept them winning and they came out on top in the Eastern conference, which is the better conference than the Western conference. In my opinion, that's the only reason I give it to him over Monty Williams, even though, Monty Williams is absolutely deserving of the award. I think when you take into account the entire uh, body of work, the entire season, what they had to go through going through the Eastern Conference, that's why I don't consider Ime Odoka for Coach of the Year because they had a great second half, but they stumbled out of the gates really, really early on um, and had a lot of ground to make up. He did a great job of getting that team back on track, and they're all the way up to the second seed but they couldn't overtake Miami. So Eric Spolstra is my coach of the year. Coach Spo, he's been with Miami for quite a while now, almost 20 years at this point, right? Because he was coaching that Shaq and, and uh, D. Wade team in, like, what was that, 04, 05? Yep. That is absolutely wild. And the last award, it's one that's already been given away, and that is Joel Embiid winning the scoring title on the last day of the regular season, surpassing LeBron, and Giannis. I know LeBron really wanted that. He was averaging 30 points a game for a minute until he got injured and he came back, wasn't quite as productive. Any thoughts on winning the scoring title and being the first center to do it since Shaq? Just congratulations to him, man. Like it, it was a really, really tight race all the way down the stretch. Maybe he doesn't get it if LeBron and Giannis end up playing in that final game, but you know, that's the way that the cookie crumbles when it comes to this stuff, unfortunately. Um, guys are, are going to sit and rest games, and, and that's going to have an effect, obviously, on individual statistics like the scoring title. But Joel Embiid has been one of the most, if not the most dominant player in the NBA all season long. Mm -hmm. So it's only uh, deserving or only fair that he ends up being the scoring or winning the scoring title. Yeah, 13 40-plus games this season. 40 30 plus games this season which is absolutely incredible yeah. you think and if, for a guy who had so many injury problems and everybody was so worried about his yep. longevity in the nba for him to put together a season like this where he is supremely dominant from day one to day 82 he didn't play all 82 games but he came close 70 what 74 games i think for him this year and he's getting better and better Every season he yeah. is. Yeah. And it's surprising to me that you're able to still maintain and score that much and win the scoring title with a guy like James Harden on your team, maybe for the last third of the season. But James Harden really gobbles up a bunch of shots. He handles the ball a lot. Um, it's just pretty amazing. And as you mentioned, Trey Young actually uh, scored the most points this season. He had 10 40-plus games, and Giannis had 10 as well. So congratulations to all these guys. They've really been balling out. A lot of points scored in the NBA this season. The last day of the season actually was the most points scored in one day in NBA history. I don't wow. know if you knew that. but Wow. 
That is absolutely crazy. All right, moving on here. Let's talk about some injury news. As we are heading into the playoff tournament or the play-in tournament, and then the playoffs start on Saturday, some of these guys are going to get a little bit of rest. They're going to have some time to recoup because they are not playing until Saturday, potentially Sunday. Luca, uh, Luca gets injured yesterday. Yep. Last game of the season for him. Many people, you know, would be like, why is Luca even out there at this point? He had an MRI today. It's a left calf strain. He's out indefinitely, meaning they don't want to give a timetable to rush him. I do think he will be back. I'm just not sure exactly when. Any thoughts on Luca's injury, whether it was the right decision to keep him out there on the court, and how this could affect the Mavericks going into the playoffs? Well, in terms of it being the right decision, they, they hadn't locked up the four seed yet. So, you know, when you think about it from that perspective, it's the difference between hosting a playoff series and being on the road. Your opponent's not going to change, but that home court advantage is important without a doubt. Um, and, and, you know, everybody has their own opinions about whether or not uh, guys should sit games or play games towards the end of the year. You know, it, in my opinion, if you're healthy and your your team is, is going – your team hasn't already locked up home field or home court advantage, something like that. I don't have any problem with these guys playing. So that being said, this is the one guy that probably can't afford to get injured for his team. I mean, if Luca's not available, I don't know how much of a chance that they've got in any playoff series. They've yep. been a really underrated team, especially defensively. But Luca does so much for them. I mean, there's probably not one individual player that does more for their team than Luka Doncic does. So this is a big, big deal for them. If he's yeah. going to miss two or even three games, I don't know how much of a chance they have. Yeah. What's up, Phoenix? Good to see you here in the chat. Don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. This is Basketball at the Bar. We're covering all NBA coverage through the playoffs. We're going to have a video every single day, Monday through Friday, so make sure you join in for that. Right now we're just talking about injuries. We talked about the awards, the playing tournament, all that, and then we're going to wrap up the show with Q&A. So if you have any specific things that you want us to cover, just stay tuned till then, post it in the chat, and we'd love to interact with you and uh, answer any questions or, or just kind of debate and talk about whatever you are interested in. All right, moving on here, Calvin. Next injury concern would be John Collins with the Atlanta Hawks. He's dealing with a – it says a finger dash foot injury. Yeah. Is yeah, that a I toe? Is that a toe injury? I think that's the new uh, hand, foot, and mouth disease. <laughs> John Collins has been a very, very productive player for Atlanta, but it seems to be a roller coaster ride for him, right? Some days he's extremely happy. Other days he's not happy with the team in his role. It's disappointing for them that he's listed as out because they are fighting for a playing spot and they play on Wednesday at home against Charlotte. I got to hear your thoughts on this because, you know, if they lose this game, they're out. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously it's going to hurt them. You know, he's one of their better players and one of their starters. They still have a good shot at winning this game without him, I would say. Um, you know, just because Charlotte is one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And mm -hmm. if Charlotte struggles to score for any period of time, they usually get left in the dust. However, you can also say that for Atlanta. They have a tendency to play down to their competition this year. 
They've probably been one of the more disappointing teams in the NBA after uh, making the Eastern Conference Finals a year ago. People kind of assumed that they were going to take the next step and be one of those top three or four teams in the East for a long time because they're super young still uh, and loaded with talent. But there's a reason why both these teams are in this playing game. It's because they ha- they love to run up and down and score, uh, but they don't stop very many people. So this, this game's all going to come down to who's on for that particular day mm-hmm. and how many stops can you get. The turnover battle is going to be incredibly important to watch. I think Atlanta still has a pretty strong chance to advance in this game even without John Collins. I don't know how much of a chance they would have if he were to miss a lot of time in a seven-game series, though. This is going to be a really exciting game. Talk about high scoring, yeah. <laughs> lots of shooting. Yeah, I mean, this game could be like 138 to 135. It really, really could. You got a guess on the over-under in this game? Oh, take the over that? all the way on this game. All the way over. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, next up, we're talking about Matisse Thibel here. I know this is not an injury, but uh, players have been listed on the injury report due to stuff like this. Apparently, he's not fully vaccinated yet. Uh, or at all, I'm not really sure, but he will be missing games in Toronto due to their mandate. I know they have home court advantage in the playoffs at this point, so as long as they can take care of their business at home, this shouldn't really affect them too much, but I want to hear your thoughts on Matisse Thibel. Obviously, he's really big in what they do. They brought in James Harden, but they gave up a ton of guys to get him, right, like in Seth Curry, uh, Drummond, they don't really have many players left on this team that can afford to miss games. Yeah. So I just want to hear your overall thoughts on Matisse Thibel missing two, potentially three games in Toronto. Well, as I said before, you know, when we were talking about this briefly, it's going to hurt them for sure. He's their best defender. Uh, Toronto is not, you know, one of the bet the highest scoring teams in the NBA, but Matisse is a very uh, important player to this team. His vaccination status, I'm seeing here, he's half vaxxed, so I guess that's why he was able to play a few weeks ago, maybe, but it's, it's December. Like his, or not a few weeks ago, yeah, months ago. Um, now the, the fact of the matter is that he doesn't, he's not fully vaccinated, so he can't play, and that's going to hurt them. Yes, they have home court advantage, but you win playoff series on the road. Yep. The, that's where you really, really take, it, take full control of a playoff series is getting victories on the road. So it, not having him is going to be a problem for them, especially if James Harden comes out and struggles to, to shoot and score efficiently. Yeah, and, and you know, the two, two, mat, like two games at home, two games on the road, it gets really interesting, right? Because you could win two games at home with Matisse Thibel and say, we have – you know, we took hold of this series and we're in the driver's seat. Then you go to Toronto, you're missing your best wing defender who lose two games. Yep. And you're basically like struggling to stay afloat because if you lose that fifth game at home, they could go back home and close it out on you without your best wing defender. So it's a really slippery slope. Uh, you know, unfortunately, he's not going to be able to play, but uh, Joel Embiid's got to pick it up. James Harden's got to pick it up. And uh, Doc Rivers, he's got to do something. Yeah, Doc Rivers has got to do something. Don't forget about Tyrese Maxey, man. He's another one of my favorite young players in the league right now. Had a really, really solid season. 
Uh, he's a guy that can definitely pick up the slack for them, both on offense and on defense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Tyrese Maxey's incredible, incredible player too. All right, let's talk about the news of the day. Alvin Gentry has been relieved of coaching duties with the Sacramento Kings. I could have told you this a month ago that this was going to happen. But uh, the Kings are officially starting their coaching search. And it could potentially end in another ex-Lakers head coach in Frank Vogel as he has been fired today as well. I don't know if you saw the interview with him yesterday post-game, but it oh, was yeah, I saw it. absolutely hilarious <laughs> and not a way to treat a guy that won you a championship, uh, but it is a team that has missed the playoffs seven out of the last nine seasons. Calvin, it makes me feel pretty good to see the Lakers in dysfunction. It really does. Oh, yeah, of course it does. But I want to hear your thoughts on Alvin Gentry, Frank Vogel, what's going to happen with these two? I heard potentially that Gentry could move up to the front office in Sacramento, but still yet to be uh, told. Yeah, I mean, as far as Alvin Gentry is concerned, look, he was dealt a difficult situation in Sacramento, um, having to take over you know, early on in the season for Luke Walton for a team that was already struggling, a team that really wasn't uh, good enough talent-wise. Then they go through a huge trade deadline where they trade out a bunch of players bring in six brand new ones so a lot's been said about how he handled the rotations the lineups the minutes all that stuff but when you take into account everything that happened in Sacramento he had a really difficult job uh, to deal with not only did he have these young players that a lot of people wanted to bring on and, and develop mm -hmm. especially towards the end of the season when the Kings were out of it but you also have all these new veteran or or major players that have been brought into this team that you need to try to assimilate and get uh, you know some chemistry going between who you think are the main focal points of this team. That's a difficult thing to balance for sure. He's been coaching for a long, long time. He's been with a bunch of different organizations. I w certainly wouldn't be surprised to see him get offered another coaching job. I'd, I would be surprised to see a head coaching job at this point but certainly an assistant job somewhere. It, like you said, it's up to him, I think, at this point to decide what he wants to do next with his career. Maybe it's time to take the Bruce Arians route and move into the front office yep. uh, and, and step away from the bench. As far as Frank Vogel's concerned, again, a disappointing season. I don't think it's entirely his fault. He's going to take a lot of the blame for it because that's what coaches do. Mm-hmm. I do expect him to get another head coaching job, though. I think he is, oh, yeah. he's only a couple years removed from winning a title. He's considered to be a, a premier defensive coach in the NBA. I think there will definitely be a team that takes a chance on him somewhere. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel bad for Frank because, you know, he was put in a tough position just like Alvin Gentry. Obviously, it's a much different circumstance but then you take a step back and you look at this and you say, you know, coaches really only leave teams in the NBA when they are fired, right? Like every coach gets fired, even good coaches. I mean, you couldn't say that, that for Eric Spolstra or like Greg Popovich, Steve sure, Kerr. Some people ride but, out into the sunset. Yeah, but but yeah. the most part, you take 95%, maybe even 99% of all the coaches in the, in the NBA, they move around all the time. They get fired. That's just how it goes. And it doesn't always fall on the coach as 
as he said in his interview, I didn't bring those players to this team. I didn't construct this roster, you know. But he is the one that was supposed to make it work yeah, with those players. He was. He was. I think that Frank Vogel will have a coaching job next season. Not sure if it will be head coach right away, but I think he will have a coaching job next season. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was a head coaching job. I expect him to be a head coach in the NBA again. I couldn't say the same thing for Alvin Gentry. I agree. Uh, maybe, like you said, assistant coaching job. Maybe he moves into the front office with Sacramento, which I don't even know how many people are actually yeah, in right? the front office Special with Sacramento advisor now. advisor to the advisor. Yeah, all these guys here. But uh, unfortunate for both of those guys, but both teams underperformed this season. It's time for them to move on, uh, get a fresh face, and uh, you know help these players and these teams achieve next season what they really want to do, right? Absolutely. All right, that was a lot. So we touched on special dates. You explained the play-in tournament. We went through some matchup breakdowns. As you guys know, the Eastern Conference, we have the Cavs and the Nets face off tomorrow, Tuesday. The Clippers and the Timberwolves for the Western Conference also face off tomorrow. And then we have the Hornets at the Hawks and the Spurs at the Pelicans on Wednesday. If you guys are interested in how the play-in tournament actually works, just rewind this video. We're also going to be taking some clips out and posting those as well, where Calvin explains the playing tournament and how it all works. We went over our title favorites, some NBA awards. We went over injuries. And now, Calvin, I think it is time for Q&A before we wrap up the show. First question, I see Phoenix here in the chat. How do you think Philly survives the non-Embiid minutes with how they've been slaughtered in those minutes over the course of the season, even with Harden still on the floor? Yeah, like this uh, question is alluding to, that not very well. I mean, he's been he's been everything for this team all year long. Uh, it's the reason why he won the scoring title and why he's been in everybody's MVP uh, front runner list. So that, that is the biggest question, and I, I'm not sure how they do it. They traded away Andre Drummond, so they mm -hmm. don't have a lot of depth anymore at the center position. It's, it's going to be difficult. He's going to have to play a bunch of minutes here in this postseason. I think he's probably going to have to play more and more every round they advance if they're lucky enough to. Yeah, they definitely need to bring the Tor bike Toronto out is him. one team that's not very big, so I, I think out of all the, the first-round matchups they could have drawn – this is probably a, one of the better ones for them in terms of being able to survive without Embiid on the floor. Um, but if you're playing in Toronto and you don't have Matisse Thibel to throw on Siakam or somebody else in that situation, and then you have to take Embiid out of the game, that's going to be a, a big hole to overcome for them. And again, more yeah. reason why there is so much pressure on James Harden here mm -hmm. for these, these playoffs. Joel Embiid is absolutely going to dominate the Raptors inside like he's going to be able to get anything he wants but how often can he do that and how much can right. he get is really going to be the key because he's going to be sitting on the bench watching whatever lead they have start to yeah. dwindle and him and Nick or him and uh, Doc Rivers are going to be looking at each other like okay can we afford to go down six here can we afford to go down double digits and B needs some rest it's a it's gonna be a balancing act for them, but uh, I I expect them to advance past the first round. Do you agree? I I'm picking them to beat Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. I will. Yeah, it's gonna be tough, but I I think they can make it happen. And hey, if James Harden can be James Harden, 
They'll be just fine. It changes everything. Yeah, they'll be just fine. Time to take off the fat suit, James. Is Gentry actually getting a front office job for the Kings? Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? I mean, maybe. Maybe he gets a front office job with another organization. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw the reports today about it. For me, it's just like, why? Playoffs are way different, Phoenix. For me, it's Playoffs just like, why? Different. Like, why Why would you bring Gentry to the front office would be my question, mm-hmm. right? Like, if, if Monty wants him in the front office, be my guest. Bring him up there. But Monty should be in charge of this front office. He should be bringing in guys that he wants. I think, like, Phil Jabor's there. He's got Wes Wilcox. Uh, he brought another dude from Oklahoma City. Can't remember the dude's name. Um, and then they have special advisors and all these other guys. I just read an article a few days ago talking about how the Kings missed out on all these opportunities by having too many people in the front office and ownership that they had to pass decisions through and get approval. Mm-hmm. I love Alvin. I'd love him to be a part of this Kings team. I just don't know what he would bring to the front office, honestly. Yeah. They will triple team Embiid and let role players beat them. I don't think you can triple team Embiid with James Harden on the court. Well, that's a very good point. Uh, you're taking a very big risk triple teaming him with James Harden on the court. But also, what I would say to that is, number one, Embiid's probably one of the only players in the league that could actually beat a triple team, first of all. And second of all, I'm not saying that he will do that on every play, but second of all, his Embiid's all-around game, his ability to score from anywhere on the floor, three levels, mm-hmm. ha- that gives Doc Rivers the ability to move him around, put him in different spots on the court, which makes double-teaming and triple-teaming him way, way more difficult. Now, obviously, you don't want Joel Embiid to spend the entirety of the game at the three-point line. That's one of the biggest criticisms of him in the past. But I think Doc Rivers realizes that, and and like I said, I I think that they they will move him around the court, uh, place him in different spots, which is going to make that double team or triple team or whatever it is more difficult. The Joker is the same way. The difference between those two, obviously, is he's the best passing big man in the league. Mm -hmm. So double teaming him is very, very difficult. It's a huge, huge risk, right? Embiid's not a bad passer. He's not a bad passer And you're not going to be able to triple-team him at the three-point line. Like, that's just not going to work. if you're Toronto and you don't, you don't double-team with uh, somebody that has a ton of size, your double-team has to be so perfect. Otherwise, mm. he's just going to bowl right through you and put up a, a layup or he's going to dunk over two people. Yeah. Yeah, Joel Embiid is no joke, man. No joke at all. His first couple seasons in the NBA, he has disproved any injury concerns or anything else. James Harden has been a complete black hole off ball. He refuses to take a catch and shoot three. And also, mind you, has been playing like hot garbage the past 15 games. You are absolutely right. And that's exactly why I said James Harden is the player in the playoffs that has the most pressure on him. Because he's got to perform in order for Philadelphia to advance. He's got to be a, a uh, legit second fiddle, or not even second fiddle, but a, a legit side star along Joel Embiid. I'm, I'm not concerned about Joel Embiid's performance in this postseason whatsoever, but I am a little nervous about James Harden, and he is going to be the difference maker for me as to how far Philadelphia goes. Yeah, he definitely needs to get to the free throw line. 
definitely needs to get to the free throw line and put just put pressure on those guys. Brian's still here. Shout out to Brian. Thank you, Brian. He wants to know how strong are the Warriors going to be in the playoffs? I wouldn't bet against them. I mean, it's still there's still a question mark surrounding it, right? Just because we haven't seen the actual Warriors play together in so, so long. As yep. I mentioned at the top of the show, just 11 minutes combined from Stray, from Clay, also known as Stray. Stray. Steph and Clay. Steph, Clay, and Draymond. 11 minutes combined in the past three seasons. That being said, if these guys are at full strength, we know it's not going to take them very long to get on the same page. They've been playing together forever. Uh, they all have a really, really great, unique relationship with each other. The thing for me is how good are the role players going to be for them? Jordan Poole had an incredible season this year. He really exploded onto the scene. Um, he's going to go back into the, the bench here for this postseason. Mm -hmm. If he still plays at the same level that he played throughout the regular season, particularly when St uh, I almost said Stray again, when Clay wasn't there, that makes them a very, very dangerous team. Not to mention, they've got other young guys in waiting here. What's Jonathan Kaminga going to look like in this postseason? He is a huge, huge uh, up-and-coming star for me. So I, I certainly wouldn't bet against Golden State, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a run all the way to the Western Conference Finals, maybe even the NBA Finals. Yeah, you know, they talk about a lot of these teams where they have a switch, right, that they turn on. Maybe it's the last 10 games of the regular season, sometimes they wait until, you know, a few games into the playoffs to turn this switch on. I think the Warriors are definitely one of these teams that has that switch just because, as Calvin mentioned, they have played together, maybe not this season, but those guys have played together a ton in the past. They've had a lot of success in the playoffs. They've won titles together. They brought back Iguodala. Unfortunately, James Wiseman's out for the rest of the season, but he hasn't really brought what they wanted from him. Curry's still dealing with the foot injury. They said yep. he's going to be reevaluated in a week and see if he can give it a go. I do think with the emergence of Jordan Poole, dude has been playing incredible, that they'll be okay in the first round, maybe the second round without Steph Curry. But to go deep in the playoffs, they really need Steph to come back and play well, which I think he will. Uh, but don't sleep on the Warriors because they're a team that can definitely sneak up on you. They are. They are. They have a lot of talent. And also what Calvin mentioned, too, they have a lot of young guys, which is like incredible how they just keep getting these draft picks and hitting on these draft picks. I know, you know, Warriors fans would have loved to have a little bit more out of James Wiseman because he was drafted so high. Uh, you know, I feel your pain. There's uh, still time for but that. Yeah. There's still time. They are going to be a uh, tough maybe out. Maybe not this postseason. Yeah. They're going to be a tough out, especially if, if Steph can come back because – he is yeah, a of course it all rides changer. on health with them. Like, yep. That's been the story of their season for, you know, the past three years. Um, do you think DeJounte Murray will make it back in the sixth zone before Trey Jones makes his play at a four way box out on the post? I'll be honest, I'm I don't understand the question. <laughs> All we know is DeJounte Murray, uh, he needs to win on Wednesday night or there's not going to be any zone or box or anything. <laughs> they need to win or they are out. Yeah. 
But as we mentioned earlier, he's on our most improved player list. He's not winning the award, but he is at an incredible season. He really has. And he's, he's a very getting fine better player. and better very, and better. Very fine player. All right, last call for questions, guys, before we wrap up the show. In the meantime, while I'm waiting for you all, if you do have any questions, post them there in the chat. I want to thank you all for joining us. This is our first live at Basketball at the Bar. We're going to be here Monday through Friday, every single day, live, posting a ton of videos, having fun, talking about basketball. And uh, anything else you want to say? Uh, well, Phoenix had another question here just about Denver possibly upsetting Golden State. I think it's certainly possible, but I, I would I would have to say that I, I think the only way that happens is if Golden State is not at 100%. If Steph isn't able to come back soon enough or he comes back and he re-aggravates uh, an injury, I just don't see – you know, Jokic has been so good all year long, and they're a very dangerous team, especially when they're hitting from outside. But – I, I don't see an upset here if the Warriors are going to be at full strength. I think there's just too much for Denver as a team to have to try to overcome. Yeah. And, and we're mean, talking about a seven-game series. I mean, the, yeah. the series might go six or seven games, but I, I, don't see, uh, I don't see Denver pulling it. Yeah, I was just going to mention Golden that State too. If State is healthy enough. Jokic is a great player in, in terms of like the fact that he can win them probably two games like himself but in terms of a seven game series like one player like that is not going to make that much of a difference yeah. and you and know that's another uh the and the regular season series denver won i think three out of four games against them yeah. but the playoffs are a different animal yeah they are much different did you see koc's all nba team if so thoughts um i did not actually see those i think i have um the hoops hype all nba team here Doncic, booker and onto Dakumbo and bead and Jokic. that's an amazing team it's pretty wild to, to see the, the all nba teams are so hard to pick it's just crazy not to see a, a lebron on here or a harden yeah or a durant or an irving yeah well, it's I mean, those wild. guys will be there. They'll just be on the second and third teams. Yeah, so second team, we got Trey Young, John Morant, Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Carl Anthony Towns. All-NBA third team, Chris Paul, Steph Curry, LeBron James, DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gobert. You know, that's really surprising to me that LeBron drops all the way to third team because I, I thought LeBron had a very underrated season uh, dealing with all the injuries with that team. He has been playing great he has um, but the team has not had the same results right yeah so that's probably uh, you know unfortunately for him getting weighted in these decisions yep it is it is sorry dudes love your ponytails thank you green sun i don't know if they're called ponytails but <laughs> thank, thank you, you. <laughs> appreciate it i put a lot of effort into growing this hair <laughs> why do the jazz look bad this season Injuries. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a few reasons. Injuries definitely being one of them. Um, Jordan Clarkson has been inconsistent, I, I would say, or more inconsistent than he has in the past couple of seasons, like his sixth man of the year award-winning season. And then there's this big, you know, question mark hanging over the team about 
Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert? And, and do mm-hmm. they want to play together? Does one of them want out? Um, you know, I think that I don't know how much of an effect that has on the team, but I think over time, the more you hear it and the more times that you get into the postseason and fail, like this team was the number one seed yep. in the playoffs. And they have very little to show for that. And their coach is on the hot seat now, too. Their coach is on the hot seat, too. They're also uh, not shooting the ball. They still shoot it really, really well from outside. But last year, they were by far and away the best three-point shooting team in the league. And this year, they're uh, they're a top-ten team, but they're not at the same level. And the three-point shot is so, so much a part of what they do on offense. Mm Mm-hmm. What's up, Key Kings? Good to see you here. We are just wrapping up the show with questions and answers. So if you have any questions or anything you want us to chat about, just drop it there in the chat, and we'd love to interact with you guys before we take off. Thanks Uh, for posting that link, man. Appreciate that. We had a long show today covering NBA awards, injuries, coaching staff, play-in tournament, special dates, a bunch of fun things in today's show. So make sure you uh, check it out. D-Book and Aiton will be the closest thing we've seen to Shaq and Kobe. If Aiton re-signs. Man, but Aiton doesn't play like Shaq. I mean, I, I, maybe you're talking about just the fact that they're the best one-two punch, guard and post, or post player in the league, and they could go on a stretch where they win a ton of titles together. But DeAndre Aiton doesn't look anything like Shaq to me. Yeah. And they got to re-sign him, too. Like, yeah. And I'm not saying he's a bad player. I love DeAndre Ayton, but he doesn't remind me of Shaq in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Key Kings with the best question so far. Will the Lakers somehow persuade Nick Nurse to leave the Raptors? Did you see this article today? Yep. He is definitely – I think there's a few teams that will probably try to lure him away from Toronto. Anything's possible. I mean, I don't know what the guy – you know what's going on in his head whether he is a raptor for life or whether he's enticed by going to a team like the lakers um i think that's a gonna have to be a personal decision for him uh, ultimately i think he's still under contract uh it says nick nurse is represented by clutch i did not know that but that is pretty interesting um but for me it's like we've seen coaches that have been traded from team to team but what do the Lakers really have to trade? You know, right now, next year they're Russell already Westbrook. they're already thirty million over the cap, and they don't have a draft pick until twenty twenty five, which is crazy. But something I saw pretty interesting today, Calvin, which I don't know if you know this, but the Lakers are officially done paying Lou Deng. I think he was the fourth highest paid player on this team last season. Yeah, pretty crazy. And he hasn't played with them since 2017. It's been a while. That was a crazy offseason. They're just giving out, everyone is giving yeah. out free money. The <laughs> yeah. salary cap took off because that new TV deal, yep. and they're like, yep. Lou Aldang, yeah, we'll give you this much. All these players. Pretty wild. Aiton is basically lesser version of peak DeAndre Jordan. I don't agree with that. I think he's better than that. He is but. much better offensively than DeAndre Jordan was. He actually has some post moves and stuff like that. Uh, but not quite the defender that DeAndre Jordan was. Nick Nurse is signed with the Canadian national team, and he has two years on his contract left in Toronto. Give us AD. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. Not even, bro. Aiden has an offensive arsenal. He can shoot. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that 100%. 
Thanks, Priest. We appreciate you too. Hit that like button, subscribe, tell all your friends. We love hanging out with you guys. We love talking basketball. And we will continue to do this show as long as you guys continue to show up. So uh, grab your beers, hang out. Let's have fun. We got basketball starting tomorrow. Yep. I know it's just the play in, but basketball. it's it's close. It's close. Every game is James meaningful. Key Kings, James Harden. Who is the player that has the most to prove during these playoffs? Yeah. I mean, some people think it's Chris Paul just because the title is, you know, pretty much the only thing left that he needs to cement his. Everyone loves to throw that legacy word around there and what winning and losing in the playoffs does to it. Obviously, it does something, but I think people put a little bit too much weight on that sometimes. Uh, but for me, it, it's James Harden, and, and I don't think it's close. Uh, the guy has forced his way out of two franchises. Um, he's now in a position that he wants to be in. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought, talk about Shaq and Kobe. Everyone thought that was the next Shaq and Kobe, Harden and Embiid. He's played really, really poorly over the past uh, you know, couple weeks to end the season. He's kind of limping into the playoffs, and if they fail, you know, trust the process becomes another it's, it's fallen on another him. avenue here it's on his shoulders i would say so it's I, I go with james harden for sure yeah it's interesting you know james harden I, i've been a james harden hater not gonna lie but very talented player can do a ton of different things on the basketball court but he's getting older and he's just one of those guys that we see him all the time they don't take care of their body they don't pace themselves and your body just starts to break down and you just can't do the same things that you can. That's one thing that I find so amazing about LeBron James is that even when LeBron was like 25 years old, he understood that he had a window. He understood that his body was not gonna be like that forever. He started paying a million dollars a year to take care of his body. I remember a quote from him when he left Miami, or sorry, when he left Cleveland the first time to go to Miami, they asked what his reasoning was. He said, I didn't want to be 30 years old with bad knees and no rings. So that is one thing that I think James Harden hasn't understood yet is that he is not invincible and he's not going to have this opportunity forever. And he needs to cherish it when he has, because for me, he has not done that his entire NBA career. He's been given all stars. Chris Paul, uh, he played with, I mean, he played with Durant and, and those other guys early on. But Dwight Howard, another guy that he's been paired with, and he's had all these opportunities. He had one of the best GMs in the league surrounding him with talent every single year, and he just couldn't get over that hump, right? Yeah. And now he's in what most people would say is a great situation, an opportunity to create the next Shaq and Kobe, and he's just doesn't seem to be all in. Yeah, it's hard. It's which is interesting because when he was in Brooklyn, the reports we're hearing is he wanted out because Kyrie Irving wasn't right. all in. Right. So here's a question for you, Calvin. If Ben Simmons is able to return, is he just free rolling at this point, or does he have something to prove as well? Because he oh, forced his way. Ben Simmons definitely out. has something to prove. But whether he comes back in the playoffs or he comes back next season. He's for sure got something to prove. Definitely a convo between Harden, CP3, and Gobert. I think for most most to prove. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, Gobert. Gobert's got some stuff to prove, too. 
I just still see him as such a limited guy. He's so limited. When you get to the playoffs, everybody has something to prove, right? Yeah. Like, you know, that that's it comes with the territory. Now I agree. Some of these guys have more uh, pressure on their shoulders than others. And to me, I, I look at James Harden above any of them. Chris Paul, to me, like, in my personal opinion, that guy doesn't have anything to prove. He's, as you mentioned, he's one of the the three or four best point guards of all time already, even without a title. Uh, a ring obviously is the final piece uh, to complete his legacy, his resume, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, a title is a team accomplishment for me. Yeah. So it, when it comes to individual greatness, Chris Paul's already great, even if they don't win this title. And like, there's nothing you could knock about Chris Paul's game. Like you could say he hasn't been healthy and he's, he's had issues with health, but like, it, is that really his fault? He, he hasn't, treated his body like trash like James Harden he has taken care of himself but as far as like the effort that he gives on the court he's got nothing to prove because he has the work ethic he has the desire he has everything he just needs to stay healthy and you know people forget like he's older than a lot of these other guys in the league right now so it's unfortunate. I hope he can come back, and uh, I'm excited to see the finals. I hope Phoenix does make it to the finals because just to see Chris Paul on that stage again, I think he's going to do great things. Yeah, I definitely am rooting for him, for sure. Gobert has nothing to prove in the playoffs. His perimeter defense around him is garbage. Very true. Very, very true. Yeah, I just I feel like Gobert is such a limited player. He's a specialist, which I mean are needed, but yeah, I'd say Donovan Mitchell's got more to prove than Rudy Gobert, but that's just me because I feel like Donovan Mitchell is that team. When I think of the Utah Jazz, you know, Gobert is definitely a, an amazing player. But well, what about Mike Conley? I mean, that's a guy that they brought in expecting to be the yeah. final piece to their big three, the the guy that was going to help take this team over the top. Um, he's played well for them, but I, am not sure that he's exceeded expectations or mm-hmm. is, is playing up to the level that, and he was the highest paid player in basketball yeah. for a moment Yeah, when he signed that big deal, he was the highest paid player and, you know, he had a lot of good years in Memphis, but what has he done for me now? Right. That's what everyone likes to think. What has he done for me recently? All right, guys, we are going to wrap up the show. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate you all joining us for our very, very first live stream here at Basketball on the Bar. Make sure you guys all subscribe. Make sure you hit that like button. We will be uh, scheduling the live stream for tomorrow, right after we go offline here, Uh, but it will be at the same time. I'm not sure what time zone you are in, but we will be starting at 5.30 p.m. Hawaii Standard Time, and uh, we will be covering tomorrow's games. We're going to be talking about the plan. We're going to be talking about injuries, uh, any other NBA news that happens here. And uh, make sure you guys join us. Anything else you'd like to say, Cal? Thanks for being a part of our first show. Really, really appreciate all you guys tuning in. And it's only going to get better from here. we got lots of really, really good games to cover and to watch. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful evening, and we'll see you all tomorrow.